This is episode 362 of PZ's podcast, and that is Calling Occupants of Interplanetary Craft by Karen and Richard Carpenter, the Carpenters from the mid-1970s, one of their truly inspired, um, utterly memorable, lyrical, beautiful, touching, softly tender, uh, and yet um, going out to the edges of the galaxy singles. It was not very successful in this country. I think it was 62, but it was number one in Ireland, and I think it was number like 10 in Canada. But I only... um, give it to you because I just love it so much. It's not because this is an essay about um, UFOs. You can breathe easy. It's really about something much more, you might say, directly and personally, psychodynamically inward and hopefully applicable. But I've been listening to it because it struck such a nerve. And I do want to say something about music. The um, What always gets me going, I've been away for a month, so this is the first time I've recorded a podcast for a while, but what always gets me going to actually record a podcast is in fact not an idea, although I love certain ideas that I enjoy expressing, but what gets me going is the music. It gets me going for its own sake. I mean, um, calling occupants of interplanetary Terry Craft is really um, just gets right to the heart of you. If you listen, the first <clears throat> 50 seconds is painful, and then you have the brilliant thing, and then at the end it uh, has a, a, a guitar solo by that guy, Tommy, whatever it was, who did wonderful guitar solos. I think he did Goodbye to Love, uh, which is a miracle song by them earlier. And um, it's the music that got, got me going. I listened to this, and even though it's about UFOs, I it, it, my heart was touched, so I decided to do something closer to that place. But music, then the concluding piece we're going to have, uh, which is from a... There's actually a story to it I want to tell at the end, a good story. Um, the music I, reflects a place of tremendous vulnerability and uh, openness and accessibility and feeling in my own life, and I'd like to mention it. Don't worry, it won't get too heavy, but it will get personal in the best sense, and I hope you'll, you'll see what music is about. Music touches the heart. I was reading uh, Booker T. Jones. That's uh, Booker T. Jones of Booker T. and the MGs, who did so many wonderful instrumentals in the mid-60s. And I was reading the autobiography of Booker T, and he simply says, music comes from the heart and it speaks to the heart. If it, if it comes from my heart, it'll speak to your heart. Kerouac said something very similar <clears throat> earlier, and I believe it. And it's the essence of religion. It's the essence of religion in the true sense. is God speaking from his heart to our heart and our heart to his heart. And it's a contact, it's a connection, and that's what we're talking about. So that's these podcasts are precipitated by the music. Now, the content, however, 
um, relates to something I was just doing. I was just uh, being interviewed by Steve Brown on his, um, his uh, I wouldn't call it a podcast, his broadcast entitled Key Life. And uh, he um, gave me the chance to read something that has been in my heart, and I'd like to share it with you. You may have read it already somewhere, but I wrote it about two and a half weeks ago, and it's spoken to me very deeply because we were on a kind of rest break of five days after an extremely arduous logistical situation that we were uh, had achieved <laughs> with, with great cost to our strength physically. And... Um, I was, uh, I said to myself, Mary was there, but I said to myself, I'm going to write something that it reflects actually where I feel I am. I'm going to, at this point, age and uh, logistics and geography being what it is, let me try to write something that is sort of, has the feel of being permanent, uh, has the feel of really being what I truly would want to say uh, if it were permanent. And so I wrote four memes of which I'm only going to... Um, read two. But um, they came alive to me because as I was talking to Steve Brown and um, his wonderful team over the radio and uh, in our Zoom broadcast, I uh, realized how important to me these are, and I'm going to share them with you. I hope they speak to you. And they're two of four kind of memes that I found myself writing, and then I ran them by Mary, and she suggested one change, which I didn't make, but it's not a substantive change, and then she subjected two other changes she suggested, which I did make. Um, and the first meme, which comes from my heart, is as follows. God's grace makes a second chance always possible. There is no condition or situation in life for which this is not true. I want to underline that. There is no condition or situation in life for which this is not true. Now, in life, <clears throat> both in the greater church and in the greater world, God knows, the outside world, the secular world, but certainly in the church as an institution, there are certain conditions or situations for which a second chance is not given. Recently, something relating to what is called protection or safety concerns, which have great uh, significance and importance. But nonetheless, something occurred in the Church of England by which a major figure had to resign, not because of anything he had done, but because of something he had failed to do on sort of a third-party <coughs> email he had received. And there was a suicide involved of the, of the victimizer. And it was um, a, 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 a very, very uh, tragic thing had happened involving abuse. But what was so clear to me is that it was clear reading the heavy media coverage of this involving someone who I don't know, but a major figure in the C of E who I've always admired, it was very clear that there is a condition and situation in life for the people who were writing about these in the church who were responding to this situation for which God's grace was not true. Now, you can say a million things. They were protecting themselves. They were protecting the church. They were trying to show the world that they were not going to give a free pass to anything that looked like permissiveness in relation to abuse. And I understand that. I do. But it was just clear that in relation to this particular situation, this is the condition or situation for which God's grace and a second chance is not possible in practice. And that's a derogation from the Christian faith. It just is. I mean, it may have its reasons, and I'm not going to argue with it, but 
it was just struck me that, um, and I see it all the time, but I see it more pastorally and personally in you and me. I, there are things in you and me. There are things in, in there are things that we've done or the things left undone. There's are, there are habits of mind. There are character faults. There are idiosyncrasies. There are um, uh, sins we've committed. There are uh, experiences long, long ago in which we were either sinned against or we were <coughs> ourselves the instrument of sin. Um, Insuperable obstacles, character, um, repeating circular problems of temperament and attitude, which don't seem to have uh, been reduced by um, a better understanding. And um, there's usually one or two things that is um, that, that are un, 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 insuperable. And this uh, meme that I wrote said that God's grace makes a second chance always possible. There's no condition or situation in life in which that's not possible. And I want to just emphasize that for you. If there is a, what is it in the Beyond the Fringe, the English satirical review from long ago, life is like a can of sartin of sardines, says the satirical vicar, the satirized vicar. There's always a little bit in the corner. Well, there is. That's a satirical statement, very brilliantly parodied by the actor, but there is always a little piece in the corner, and that's the part to which God's grace does apply and is true. And I want to encourage you to believe that, even if the, the world certainly won't tell you that, and the church won't tell you that in most cases. There's always a little piece in the corner which is exempt. And uh, that's not what we believe. That's not the Christian faith. And Christ himself modeled this very beautifully. Now, the second and last sort of meme that I'd like to mention is the, um, the fourth one that I wrote. And this is uh, the last one. If the great challenge of life is assimilating its negativities, its resolution is found in seeing the loving hand of God in all things. Now, in other words, this is, Mary and I learned this first from Frank Lake, whom we knew up close and personal, and then Anne Long, whom Mary's recently visited in person in Salisbury, England, and spent time with, and it's also in Centering Prayer, and it's in Jim Glennon, who's now dead, and uh, our teachers, but it's true in our lives, that the challenge of life is assimilating its negativities, not overcoming, because there are, let's say, that little piece in the corner, uh, the negativity in the corner that has not been assimilated, and it cannot be resisted, because it comes to the time when you cannot. You, it's the, that thorn in the flesh that St. Paul talked about. St. Paul, I sound very English, don't I? St. Paul talked about a something in his life it's never been defined. He did not define it, which was a thorn in the flesh, which he prayed God to release him from, to remove from his life three times, and the prayer was not answered in the affirmative. And he then heard the Lord say, I didn't take it away because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And I, when I heard that again, I was thinking about Brad Knight, who preached, uh, who touched on that text last Sunday. And it was uh, very powerful for me because um, the challenge of life is assimilating the negativity which you have not overcome which has proven 
proof against all the best efforts and thoughts and hopes and ways of finding help that you were available to you, that you sincerely acted on and sought to um, bring to bear on this negativity, and it didn't disappear. And so it had to be assimilated. You had to accept it in some sense, the same way that what didn't um, Joseph, he said, you know, God uh, meant it for good, even if you meant it for ill. The great challenge of life is assimilating its negativities, and then, this is where Joseph comes in, and um, St. Paul the resolution of your life. This is something that can occur in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s, and I would say it still occurs to me more than ever. The resolution of these negativities is found in seeing the loving hand of God in all things. This is just empirically where it has to be, because if you don't see some loving hand of God, even in the death of someone you loved, the accident that took that changed everything, the rejection that changed everything, the sin which changed everything, the loss which changed everything, the resolution is still found in terms of your own personal life in seeing the loving hand of God in all things. And this is extremely important. And I want to um, really uh, underline that uh, as uh, the way forward uh, when you're, you know, don't talk to people who say, oh, you know, there's a new, you got to, you know, there's some kind of great new thing you're going to do. Well, the best thing you can do is assimilate the thing you can't change and then find in that a resolution of peace and serenity in uh, seeing the loving hand of God in all things. And then, in fact, you do in, est, in, in, in uh, without question, without any intention, without uh, some kind of new inaction, not some malice of forethought, but you find yourself um, acting from a new place of uh, detachment and love, because detached love is the best because it really has the other person most in its purview. Well, that's all I wanted to say. Uh, those two memes which came to me and I wanted to try them out to you the living this mesh was meant to and um, see if they help you see if they speak all in connection with music that bounds and frames this podcast now the conclusion is a song that I've first heard and it really uh, was so devastatingly original and uh, memorable we were um, it was the summer of 1968 and I happened to go up to New York City, where are some prep school friends of mine, I hate to use the word, but, you know, people who say high school, we did not use the word high school. But anyway, a bunch of friends of mine who had, we'd all just finished up at prep school, and <clears throat> these guys had <clears throat> rented, how they did it, I don't know, but they'd rented a, a sublet, uh, an apartment in the East Village, and there were about six of us, and five of them, and I joined them one night, and my friend Lloyd Fonville, whom I loved, and he's dead now, may he rest in peace, he is resting in peace in the arms of the Savior, but I, um, I, uh, was very, um, struck by something, because he had just discovered an album that I did not know of, called Music from Big Pink, by the band, and we'd never heard it. And he played, said, Paul, I, let's just listen to this one song, and it was called Chest Fever. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was just, it was like the most powerful song I'd ever heard in my entire life. And um, it is powerful. I'm just going to play an excerpt from it. You'll have to get the whole thing yourself, but it's an excerpt from the uh, song. But it, it, it just... I mean, it gripped all of us. We couldn't believe our ears. It was unlike anything we'd ever heard before. And it, yet it did have a memorable tune. It, it was accessible as well as being utterly spatial, a little like um, 
Karen Carpenter singing about uh, occupants of uh, interplanetary craft and had that power. And so I give it to you as my gift to you from PZ's podcast after a break. And I'll uh, continue talking about these issues and these memes and these hopes and these pastoral, unconditional expressions of God's utter character in the next podcast as well. All my love. Love you.